no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're going through, everything might be altogether just lovely in your world this morning. I pray it is. But here's the reality. That is not true for everybody in this room. Life happens. Unexpected things happen. Struggles. The fallen world in which we live, it brings things we never planned for. This morning while we're worshiping and in the presence of the Lord, part of our church family called me this morning, getting ready to walk out their door to come to church, went in and changed clothes, and now is on the road to Michigan because of a family member that has been rushed to the hospital. They need prayer today. Others that is connected to this house, connected to the Richardson family. Nate's wife is, needs a touch this morning, lying in the hospital. God is faithful this morning. The list goes on and on and on. Those near and dear to our hearts this morning needs a miracle. Someone very near and dear to Debbie and I is 44 years of age. Cancer tumors are growing rapidly. But God, please hear me. There's victory in the name of Jesus. Others in this room has heard things from doctors this week that nobody knows, but yet they're still here lifting their hands, saying, we're gonna trust in Jesus. Can I tell you today, for the one that will put their faith and trust in him, victory is not a fairy tale, but it is a reality. And can I tell you today, doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what it sounds like, even when you don't see it, he's working. And I want to tell somebody this morning, you might just be one praise away from your breakthrough and from your miracle and from your victory this morning. So right now, I'm going to ask you just to go into prayer with me right now. These are just a few of the needs that's in this house this morning. But I want you to lift up your brothers and your sisters and the families connected to them and say, God, we're believing. Lord, we just come before you right now thanking you for who you are. Thanking you, Lord, that we can call on you. Thanking you that... You are not just one that saves, but you're one that delivers, sets free. And Lord, your word says that he that the Son sets free is free indeed. That's not just for salvation, but Lord, that's healing. Lord, that's restoration. That's deliverance. That's new beginnings, Father. And Lord, I just speak new beginnings over situations, over families, over lives. Lord, I speak for healing virtue just to flow into these situations today. Lord, we curse cancer in the name of Jesus today and we proclaim life. Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing in the lives of many, but Lord, I thank you for the explanation point that's about to be placed on the testimony that God has brought complete wholeness and deliverance. <coughs> and Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name, we decree and declare victory. Victory this morning over your people, over their families, over our community, over our nation. Lord, we give you praise and glory.
Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated if you're able this morning, but I feel the presence of the Lord in this room. And I am grateful to be able to be in the house of the Lord with all of you this morning. Let me echo again, if you're visiting with us, may the Lord bless you this morning. I am so honored that you're here. I know it's spring break and we got people traveling, doing all kinds of things, but I am so thankful that you are in the house this morning on this Sunday morning and you're not here by accident today. I believe this wholeheartedly. I believe God is getting ready to speak to us and I believe if we'll have ears to hear and a heart to receive it, I believe you're going to walk out of these doors differently than when you came in. No matter what you may have need of this morning, God is able. I believe that wholeheartedly. This morning, it is a joy for you and I to be able to assemble together in a spirit of expectancy. Amen. Allow me to welcome our online audience this morning. May the Lord bless you this morning as well. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time. If you have your Bibles with us, I'm just going to jump right into the Word this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. We're going to do our best to deliver today. Pray for our voice, if you would, this morning. You've got that little tickle in your throat that you can't get away from for the last few days. I don't necessarily like drinking water up here, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get through here. So, but we're going to trust the Lord to help us this morning for the next few moments. I am going to do my best to share with you something hot off the press, so hot that it was still coming off about 2.30 this morning, all right? So I'm, I'm praying that if, it, if it's well, it was the Lord. If it's not, then Ron was just overtired, all right? So, but we're going to pray and believe it's the former. So, but uh, so thankful that when you can get along with the Lord and, and you can begin to just kind of what I would say, just get a little bit of a download into your spirit and and you can't quit typing and you can't quit writing and you want to keep just digging in. And, and so I'm going to give you uh, something that spoke volumes to me early this morning, even the late hours of last evening. But Hebrews chapter number 9, going to read the first several verses of this chapter. If you're able, I'll ask you to stand for the reading of the word. If you're not, I do not feel bad if you're not able to. I totally understand that. Uh, but uh, it's kind of our custom just to honor the word of the Lord this morning. Hebrews chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 1. Read down through verse number 14 this morning. It says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinance of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shewbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot speak particularly. 
Verse number six. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went in always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices, that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinance imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, then come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For a little while today, I said a little while, it's spring break. We've got nothing to do. For a little while today, we're going to deal with the subject this morning, the presentation that changed everything. The presentation that changed everything everything. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its anointing. Thank you for your people today. Lord, I pray you'd anoint me for the next few moments to speak this word which you've birthed in my spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do. And I thank you for the lives that's about to be changed and transformed and delivered in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. I know that was maybe a little more reading than normal this morning, but I believe it's important for us to have a foundation of where we are going. For us to understand the context of our text, we must walk through a period of time that begins in the very beginning of our Bibles. But before we do that, I'd like to go back and visit verse number 11 and verse number 12. It says, but Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, this is to say not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Is there anybody redeemed in this room this morning? I believe there is. However... When we look at this story, what we're talking about is we're doing a comparison. We're showing a couple of different things. First of all, we're looking at and we're talking about the tabernacle of Moses and how it was erected. We know this, that Moses had received the dimensions from God himself and what it was supposed to look like, how it was supposed to be laid out, and everything was precisely done concerning it. However, this was done because of something that had happened prior in history. 
In order for us to fully understand that, we must go back to our Bibles. In Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1 and verse number 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was out without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We know this. When you continue to read in this passage of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, we find that God begins to speak and creation begins. We find that, however, in six days, everything is created. But we find that when God begins to speak, he begins to speak concerning creation. And we find that in six days, that darkness was forced to lose uh, and to retreat from its place of dominion. We find also that when you begin to look at creation, that we find that that which was without form and that which was void began to be turned into something that God said when he looked upon it was good. But then when you get to verse number 26 and 28 of this chapter, in the middle of the sixth day and his finalizing of creation that he was doing, he looks and he says this in verse number 26. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Then we find in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now, we find that when I'm looking at that, he then looks and says this, everything is very good. Now, when you read on, you find that upon creating man, he did something to man that we don't read of that he did to that he did not do to any other creation that he formed. You find in Genesis chapter two, verse number seven, it says, "And the Lord took uh, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth, and then he simply did this: he breathed into his nostrils uh, and the breath of life, uh, and man became a living." soul. Now, we see everything was well. Adam, and we know, was created, and then after a space of time, we find that a deep sleep was put upon Adam, and then a rib was taken from him, and Eve was created because the Lord saw that it was not good for him to be alone. He puts him in charge uh, of taking care of a place called the Garden of Eden, and we find that everything is doing well. Everything is fine until you get to Genesis chapter number three. When you get to Genesis chapter number Number three, we find that the old serpent comes walking in into this garden, and he is very uh, capable. He is very cunning, and he begins to have conversation with Eve. Most of you are familiar with this story. And as he begins to have conversation, he begins to say, God didn't really mean what he said he meant, uh, because the Lord had given them instructions that said, you can take care of anything of this garden, but do not take care of that tree right there. Do not partake of the fruit of it. Uh, and therefore, she begins to hear, oh, he just doesn't want you to do that because then you're going to be like him. And we know the story. But as we, as we go through this process, 
We find in Genesis chapter number three, after partaking of the very thing that God said not to, Adam and Eve both partaking of that very thing, we find that in verse number eight of chapter number three through verse number 12, it says that immediately they realized something had changed. Uh, Therefore, they realized they saw differently than they had ever saw before. They looked and they realized they was naked. Uh, And therefore, when they heard the voice of God coming into the garden in the cool of the day in verse number eight, that it says that Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. Uh, And we know what happens uh, when you begin to look at the conversation. It is then that the Lord dispels them from the garden, uh, but something happens uh, immediately after this conversation. Somebody says, oh, that was very rough. It was one of the most beautiful acts of grace that you'll ever find in Scripture because he realized this, uh, I can't leave them in the garden because if they'll partake of that tree uh, then they'll partake of the tree of life and therefore they would live forever in a state of contamination a state of death Uh, and therefore he puts them out of the garden Uh, as he puts them out of the garden he then says this uh, he goes and we find that they take the skins uh, and they put uh, them upon them and clothe them for the first time since creation uh, we find that blood has been shed Uh, now when we begin to look at this. Uh, This act of disobedience caused Adam and Eve to be dispelled from the garden. But it also caused mankind to be brought forth uh, in a a corrupted state instead of the original state that God had intended. Uh, Man was now in a fallen state and therefore we find this to be true and Paul addressed it in Romans chapter 5 verse number 19. He said for as by one man's disobedience uh, many were made sinners. Uh, You have Adam to thank this morning for the simple fact uh, that you and I was born in a state of corruption. Uh, Listen uh, and we find that when you begin to look at this passage, it simply means that once man had been able to walk in harmony with God, but now man was not able to abide in the presence of his creator. What was the result of this act of rebellion, one might ask? If you was to read a little further in Romans chapter 5, verse number 14, it says this, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. The first thing that happened after the fall of man uh, we know it was symbolic uh, of something that would come uh, and we find that it was uh, that there was the blood the bloodshed that was taking place of those animals uh, so that there could be clothes put upon Adam uh, and Eve's back uh, but for the sake of time this morning I cannot go through every detail uh, from Genesis chapter 3 to Hebrews chapter number 9 but I believe that we have to stop and talk a little bit uh, about what did transpire and where a lot of focus has been granted. Uh, Notice with me, uh, the rebellion of Adam it caused generations uh, to be required to operate under a system uh, that could not cleanse themselves from sin, uh, but that could only cover them uh, for a period of time. Uh, while there are many types of offerings and sacrifices throughout our Bible, uh, the one that is focused on today uh, is simply that, is the one that was offered at the Day of Atonement. Uh, that This time uh, was a time when the high priest that 
we read of this morning uh, would go beyond the veil and not just be in the holy place, uh, but would enter into the holy of holies uh, and he would sprinkle blood uh, upon the mercy seat uh, for the sins of himself as well as the people. Uh, One time of year this would take place. And we understand that there was a process uh, that led up to it. It wasn't just walking in and doing a little deal, uh, but it was hours and hours and days and days and weeks of preparation. Uh, The high priest had to have certain garments on. Uh, He had to dress in a certain manner. uh, And he had to get to a place uh, where he was acceptable. You'll read that when they would go in behind the veil, uh, that there would be a rope tied to their foot. uh, And there was pomegranates uh, and bales on the hem of their garments. Uh, (coughs) That way you could hear where they was moving uh, in the holy place. Uh, You will never read in scripture to my knowledge uh, wherever anybody had to be pulled out of the holy place uh, or the holy of holies uh, because of the not preparing correctly. They understood, the high priest understood uh, that if I'm going to go into the presence of God, uh, there has to be something taken very seriously. uh, And therefore you find uh, (coughs) that he began to go through the process. Uh, they would put on their linen breeches. They had put on their specific garments. Uh, but it was go in. It was not a place that was arrayed in beauty uh, when they got done on this particular day. Uh, but it was a place that was scattered with blood. Uh, you would find that the high priest would walk in behind that veil. Uh, he would take the blood of that lamb uh, and he would take it and sprinkle that blood on the east side uh, of the mercy seat. Uh, and we know this to throughout scripture and it would simply provide a covering for sin. We would find that man was not able to walk in a manner where they had once walked at the very beginning. But we find that over time there began to be the pulling back of the curtain that this wasn't how it was always going to be. We find this morning That through prophetic voices, uh, men began to hear of a time that would come. I'm going to preach as a cough this morning. Is that all right? The devil is a liar. If I have to, I'll drink some anointing oil maybe. I don't know. We'll get it through out somehow. A message of hope begins to be spread through prophets that there would be a time in which a Messiah would come. And he would deliver his people. One of those prophets is Isaiah that you're very familiar with in scripture. Isaiah 53. If you was to read the first five verses of chapter 53, you would find that this is what's said concerning him. He shall grow up before you as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. And when you shall see him, he won't really be beauty with him. But however, he will be a man that is a, that's full of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But he's wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace will be upon him and by his stripes we are going to be healed. And, and all of this begins to set the stage and but then he says this in verse 6 of that same chapter all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all they was trying to navigate through all this that was been said then you go into verse 7 through verse number 10 it says that he was taken from the prison and from judgment who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people was he stricken and their people's trying to put all of this prophetic utterance together and time continues 
Men began to watch and they began to wait, not really knowing how to prepare or what to prepare for, other than they began to expect the arrival of one that would bring deliverance. But then when we fast forward into the Gospel of Luke, we find that a visitation like no other begins to set the stage for a new season and a new era. I know it's not Christmas this morning, but let us visit this passage just for a moment. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 23. It was in the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth. And we find that the angel Gabriel once again comes down and begins to have a visit. This time he's not visiting with Elizabeth, but he's visiting with a young girl that's engaged to a man by the name of Joseph. And her name is Mary. And he begins to have conversation with her and says, Mary, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary's like, how shall this be? The angel answers and says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. You read in other places in Scripture, you'll find it says that he'll come and take away the sins of the world. This event set the stage for the greatest moment for mankind since the beginning of creation. However, it was not the birth, but there had to be the birth before there could be a sacrifice. Please hear me, which brings us to our message today. It is at this time of the year that we begin to get our focus upon a time of crucifixion, a time that is celebrated, and a time of resurrection. It is at this time of the year that we focus on this baby that was born to this young girl by the name of Mary, but not while he's lying in a manger, but it's 33 years later now. Please hear me. He has walked among the people and he has spoken with authority in a manner and taught in a manner that nobody had ever heard before. He had moved with power in the presence of men and women. People had hollered after him because of what they had seen him do. The Holy Spirit was upon him in such a manner that they could not figure out where he belonged. And he was one to walk in a manner where he kept the will of his father. But right when the people was beginning to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Just a few days later, those same people began to say, crucify him, crucify him. Oh, the pain he endured, the shame he endured. The guilt, the loneliness, the weight of the sin caused him to stumble under the weight of that old rugged cross that was made of a tree that he created. I know it's not Easter. I'm not preaching Easter yet, but we got to get there. And after he had hung on that old cross, after they had mocked him and after they had spit upon him and after they had pierced his side and emptied everything from his body, it appeared all was lost. 
Peter had not only denied him, but Peter and the others had all abandoned him. There was only one at the foot of the cross. Everybody else was absent. The religious crowd, while some of them began to celebrate that, oh, we have defeated him, I believe there was others that was very confused because of the events that had transpired. Because when he had simply said it is finished, something happened. Darkness was upon the earth when it should have been a time where the sun was shining. And all of a sudden, dead people began to be resurrected from the cemeteries in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, a veil that could not be torn apart with oxen, uh, all of a sudden, from the top to the bottom, it says that it was rent. Everybody was in a state of disarray. Even those that had crucified him began to say this, oh, surely he was the son of God. Everything was in disarray. Then we arrive at the first day of the week. They've came and they've taken him down off of the cross. They've placed him in a tomb. They've got him in a borrowed tomb. And Mary and the other Mary is going to anoint the body of Jesus very early in the morning before daybreak. And all of a sudden we find that he isn't there. Now. We know that. We'll celebrate that in a couple of weeks. But then, notice if you was to read of the resurrection in Luke chapter 24, in ver- and the first few verses of that chapter, we know this, that the angels of the Lord said, He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when you was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And it says, And they remembered those words. But then if you read in the account of Matthew chapter number 28 of this same event, it wasn't just some subtle event at that time because early in the morning before it was dawn, all of a sudden the earth began to shake. Everything began to happen. It says that there was a great earthquake and we find that the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back that stone and we'll celebrate that. Yes, we will in just a couple of weeks. But however, the keepers was so stricken with fear that they fell as dead men. Then, however, when you get to John, we begin to see even more detail. Others have came and gone. Everything seems to be, oh, they've stolen the body of our Lord. But all of a sudden, we find that Mary, in John chapter 20, verse 11 through 14, she stands without the sepulcher, and she's weeping. And as she wept, she stoops down, and she looks into the sepulcher, and she sees two angels while they're sitting there, one at the head of where he was, and the other at the feet of where he was, and where the body of Jesus was. And and she simply said, they have taken away my Lord. But after doing that, she hears somebody say, woman, why are you crying? And she says, she turns, thinking it's the gardener, not realizing that it was Christ says they have taken away Jesus. But notice in verse number 17, after Jesus has revealed himself to Mary and he calls her by name, in John 20 and 17, he says, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended unto my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. You missed a good place to shout right there. Now, I've shared all of this just to get to my message today. That's my introduction. So now my preaching time starts. Now, It will be just a few minutes, I promise.
Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11, verse number 12. But Christ's been come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. This is to say not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What's all of this mean? After the resurrection, Jesus, after he had stepped down into hell itself and defeated death, hell, and the grave, after he had taken the keys of death and bondage and sickness and disease, something had still yet to be accomplished. Notice with me, he told Mary, don't touch me yet. I have not yet completed what I have started. That which has separated God and man had not yet been completed. You say, what are you talking about? For years, the high priest had went in behind the veil. For years, they had offered blood and they had sprinkled it upon the mercy seat. For years, uh, there had been a temporary cleansing brought to the people, but there has never been a redemption of sin. Both of these, uh, we even find it in the tabernacle. We find it in the temple. Uh, and we find that both of these had been designed by God and the structure was precise, uh, but it had never been enough to cleanse man in a permanent manner from the sins that had been upon them since the days of Adam. But the lamb that had just been offered was different than any other lamb. You will never read in scripture where a lamb that had been offered in the holy place had ever been seen again. It had never been presented again. But you find in Hebrews chapter 9, there is a revelation that's given to you and I. That we find that there was something that had to transpire in the heavenlies. And this morning, I want to take you on this little journey just for a moment. Because after Pilate's Hall, after the embarrassing and the horrendous beating, after the shame and the guilt that was placed upon him, after him stumbling under the old rugged cross, after him stretching himself up on that tree that he created, and when he could have called 10,000 angels to pull the nails from his hands and his feet, but he said, I'm going to stay here to fulfill the task of my father. When he could have changed everything, but he stayed there because of you and I, and he realized that the weight that was upon him was the weight uh, that had to be carried, and only he could carry it. Uh, but we find that after all of this was transpired... Uh, after he had stepped out of the portals of heaven and willingly become the spotless lamb of God, uh, something had to be presented. Uh, because, let, let me remind you, uh, that the tabernacle was built in accordance to what God had given Moses, uh, according to how the heavenlies are structured. Uh, but there had never been the blood uh, brought into the holy place in the heavenly realm. Uh, and for the first time, something was about to happen. Uh, for the first time something was about to change and what I'm talking to you about is this that before Jesus was ever going to go on the first day of the week and talk to his disciples and his followers he had to first ascend into the heavenlies but he was not going to ascend empty handed but he was about to make entry into the portals of glory but in his possession there was a vial of blood it's not blood but it's oil this morning 
Can I tell you, I don't know how he did it. Uh, I don't know how that looked like. Uh, but all I know is he told Mary, you can't touch me yet because I'm not yet ascended to my father. Uh, because he was still in the midst of working. Uh, something was about to transpire. Uh, there had been high priests, yes they had, uh, that had went beyond the veil in the natural tabernacle. Uh, but there was a heavenly tabernacle uh, that nobody had ever stepped into uh, since that began to be created. Uh, since Jesus had stepped down, uh, nobody had stepped back in. Uh, yes, the God the Father was there. Uh, the Holy Spirit was moving on our behalf. Yes, uh, but all of a sudden, the spotless lamb uh, had to come back. And you will find in Hebrews chapter 9, uh, listen, I know it don't preach a lot. Uh, it's not preached a lot. I've never really heard it preached, to be honest. Uh, but we find that Jesus went back to the portals of heaven. Uh, I don't believe he stopped by to check on the walls of Jasper. Uh, I don't think he wanted to stop and look at the crystal sea and make sure it was flowing. Uh, no, he was on a mission. Uh, he said, I've got to get to the holy place uh, because i got to finish my task. Uh, and when he walked in, uh, he didn't stagger in in a place of defeat. No, he did not. Uh, yes, he looked different. Uh, yes, he was battered. Uh, yes, he was bruised. Uh, yes, there were scars on his hands. Uh, there were scars on his head. Uh, but there was also in his presence, there was blood. Uh, and he was getting ready to show the Father for the very first time. Uh, he said, I've got some blood. And this ain't the blood of a natural lamb, but this is the blood of your son. I have fulfilled your task. And because of the blood that went into the holy place, can I tell you this morning, you don't have to set diseased and struck down by all kinds of things in life. But this morning, because of presentation in the heavenlies, it changed everything. The curse of Adam has been broken. Every man, every Every woman, every boy, every girl uh, that will call on the name of the Lord, uh, they shall be saved. Uh, they shall be delivered. Uh, they shall walk in victory. Uh, they shall run and not faint. Uh, can I tell you, uh, the presentation changed everything. You cannot deny the presentation in the heavenly holy place that changed everything. And because of that presentation, when the enemy comes along and tells you you're not gonna make it, you can stand and say, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Can I tell you today, you and I are in a place where we need to understand, just like when the other lambs had been offered, there had to be the presenting of blood, but this time it could not be presented in a natural sanctuary or a natural tabernacle. This blood had to go to the heavenly holy place. And when it did, when it arrived, everything changed. How do you know that, preacher? Can I tell you? Let me go. I'm hurrying this morning. Revelation. John's on the Isle of Patmos. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord says, begin to write. Write these things that I show you. Will you get just a few chapters over? Notice what happens in chapter number five. 
And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And John says, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. But then one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, uh, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, uh, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou was slain as redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Uh, I could keep reading, but I'll get too happy if I do probably. Uh, and you all don't want to stay much longer. Uh, but can I tell you, when I began to read that, I began to realize uh, that the heavenlies, uh, the angelic host, uh, those that was there, all of a sudden, uh, they realized something was different. Uh, they had seen him there before, uh, but they'd never seen him in this manner. Uh, the spotless lamb of God, uh, he walked with authority. He walked with power. Uh, he walked with dominion. Why? Uh, it's because he had walked in obedience to the will of the Father. Uh, but when they had walked in and they saw the blood come into the holy place, uh, it brought about uh, a restoration and a redemption uh, to humanity. Uh, and can I tell you this morning, you and I can rejoice today uh, because I come to tell somebody uh, it's not about how holy you can become. Uh, it's not about how religious you can become. Uh, it's not about checking the box that men have created for you to check. Uh, but it is about you understanding uh, that there was a presentation 2,000 years ago uh, by the spotless Lamb of God that says in the midst of your brokenness, I still love you. Uh, in the midst of you're not able to do it on your own. I did it for you. In the midst of you not knowing how. Oh, I'm going to preach just for a moment this morning. Because can I tell you, we got a world that says I can't make it another day. But I come to tell them you can make it because there's blood in the heavenlies of a spotless lamb that paid the price for you to walk in victory, to walk with power, and to walk with authority. Can I tell you, don't you believe the lie of the enemy? That presentation changed everything for you and your family. You are an overcomer this morning. But this morning, will you allow that blood to be applied to your life? Isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic this morning that we find in Scripture that he meets all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Isn't it ironic that it is from the storehouse of heaven that our needs is met? You can go to Kroger and buy whatever you want. You can buy Pepsi Zero, Coke Zero, Dr. Pepper Zero. You can buy Mountain Dew or sugar-free Mountain Dew. What all? You got all kinds of stuff you can buy, but you know what? You can't go in there and you can't buy this blood. 
You can go pull yourself up to a bar stool and get what, order whatever drink you want to. You can get you a strawberry daiquiri. You can get you a pina colada or whatever, but they don't have no blood in it. It's not going to bring you any deliverance. You can go down to your local drug dealer and get you a shot of whatever, but guess what? There's no blood in it. It means there's no life in it. You can go to the house that you repute and pay for whatever you want to, but there's no blood in it. Oh, you've been too bold this morning. No, 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 no. I'm here to tell you the enemy's telling you you can find your hope there and you can find your hope there. But I'm going to tell you something. If there's no blood there, there's no life there. And I'm not talking about just any blood, but I'm talking about the blood of the spotless lamb that simply said this, this blood will take away the sins of the world. So what's in the storehouse of heaven? It's the blood. Because he took the blood back and he said, listen, I understand heaven's a wonderful place. There's, there's none of this garbage up here, but you know what? There's something we need. We, we got to bring some blood into the holy place because the only thing that's going to help those people down there in their fallen state is the blood. So guess what? Every time we say we need something from the storehouse, it's just a little bit more blood. Just a little bit more blood. Washes away disease, washes away sickness. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what the report is today. The blood's bigger than the report. This presentation changed everything. I'm sure there was some comfort brought to the people of Israel and throughout history when they would hear those pomegranates hitting against the bells as the high priest was moving in the holy place and they could judge his movements by the sound. They could say where he, they could detect where he was at in the holy place or if he's moving on behind the veil and get to the holies of holy. They, they could understand where he was at and maybe what he was doing because they understood culture. And I'm sure those bells brought them comfort and I'm sure that they was thankful when he walked back out and, and, and that they saw the scattering of the blood that was upon his garments and, and all of those things. But they also understood this. We'll have to come back and do that again next year. But you and I today, because of the blood of the Lamb that was applied to your life and my life, that has came from the storehouse of heaven, that was taken back by the spotless Lamb into the throne of God, into the holy place, you and I today can stand and sit in confidence in knowing this. No matter what it may look like, no matter what it sounds like, we have a way of escape. And his name is Jesus. As they come to the music this morning, the blood, the blood. You see, it's become so unpopular today in our culture. Don't preach about the blood. Don't preach about the cross. Don't, don't talk about a lot of this thing. It's so offensive. And I'm going to tell you something today. I have no hope. I have no life without the blood. But you have nothing to look forward to without the blood. But the blood has never lost its power. One songwriter said that when it flows from Emmanuel's veins, 
Hear me today. I don't know what your need may be this morning. I don't know what your challenge is this morning. I don't know what the enemy's bombarding your life with this morning. But here's how you defeat him. By just reminding him that the one that you thought you defeated, did he not make a presentation in the holy place of heaven? And did he not arrive with something in his possession? The blood. The miracles that needs to happen today cannot happen without the blood. But when we begin to plead the blood of Jesus and we begin to ask him. You see in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord they shall be saved. But if you read the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2 halfway through that chapter you'll find that it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord they shall be delivered. No matter what it is that's going on in your life there's a deliverance today. And it's all because of the blood. So this morning, I'm not making light of situations and circumstances, but I'm understanding this more than I live. We're too quick in giving up sometimes when Paul tells us we're to put on the armor of God that we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You don't have to settle for defeat today. You don't have to settle for destruction. But there is still miracle working power in the blood. And what's so amazing is that blood that was taken. I want to give it to you one more time and then we're going to stand. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come. Those good things have came. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not one made with hands, not by the blood of goats and calves, but notice by his own blood he entered in once. You know, he's never had to go back in and apply blood again. He just did it one time. He didn't have to go back. You don't have to go back every year. So the last 2,000 years, he's not going back and putting it back in there. No, it's still there. It's an ever-ending supply for you and I to have life and have it more abundantly. So this morning, I wonder. I wonder if we're willing to put our faith and our trust in the blood. You don't need man. You don't need a high priest. You don't need a prophet. You don't need an apostle. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a teacher. Yes, all of us have a role to play. Yes, yes, yes. But we don't need anything more than Jesus.
We just need to put our faith and trust in him again. When you understand, I wish we could get a visual this morning of a resurrected Savior stepping back into the portals of glory. A place that he had been absent from for 33 and a half years. And he walked back in. And in his possession was the blood that men had tried to steal from him. I don't know how he recovered it. All I know is that he had it. And he walked in and he presented it into the holy place of heaven and said, Father, it's done. And because it was done, you and I can live this morning. I wonder if there's anybody in this room who wants to live today as we stand all over the house this morning. And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, it's the blood that gives me strength. From day to day, it never its power. Because it reaches to the highest mountain. again here's what I want you to do if you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you have a need you need an emotional touch you need a spiritual touch you need a physical touch I'm going to tell you the blood of Jesus is more than able to meet you if you need a healing this morning I sense the spirit of the Holy Ghost in this room and I believe there's healing today if you need something I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come sit in front of this building right now. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to the Lord and you say, I want to give my life to Him today. I'm going to ask you to come as well. I want you to come right now. If you need a touch, we're going to pray with you. I'm believing right now for healing power. Because it reaches to the high. Thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.